Stripe to the moon. First stop, the public markets. Is Nike jumping into the NFT space? Jack and Jay-Z are officially BFFs and will crowdfunding truly democratize investing? Our mission is to bring together the best venture capitalists to compete so you have the insights on how to invest with the best. Now let's meet our venture capitalist jumping in the Thunderdome. Cheryl Campos, head of venture growth at crowdfunding platform Republic that just raised $36 million. Also a partner at the Community Fund and a scout at Lightspeed Venture Partners. Nahal Mehta, general partner, ENIAC Ventures, known for getting seed stage companies to Series A faster than any other VC. Just raised their fifth fund, totaling $125 million. Brittany Davis, Backstage Capital, former investment banker turned venture capitalist, runs a $36 million fund and has invested in 150 underrepresented founders. Low Tony, managing partner, Plexo Capital, former partner, Google Ventures, former executive, Nike and eBay, runs a $42.5 million hybrid venture fund focused on diverse fund managers and underrepresented founders. Four top investors walk in, one comes out with a title belt. Let's jump into the most electric show in business entertainment. IPO alert powered by M1 Finance. Stripe is a payment processing platform gearing up for the biggest IPO of 2021, valued at $95 billion. Are you bearish or bullish on the hype and why? Brittany, kick us off, please. Yeah, I mean, I'm bullish here. So Stripe is at the very beginning of the internet uh, commerce movement. Right now, if you think about the market, they are taking advantage of the growth of commerce moving online. So they have a lot of room to grow, and I think they've positioned themselves well with the developer community. Um, their product is super simple, and if you ask founders, we work with early stage founders, a lot of them find it very easy to integrate Stripe into their platform. And again, with the market, if you think about today, we're only at 20% e uh, retail being e-commerce versus in uh, person. So there's a long way to grow in this market. I think they've positioned themselves well and I would buy. Okay, Lo, your thoughts on Stripe, bearish or bullish? I'm bullish without question. I believe that what we're entering is a period of great opportunity where some of the most interesting companies whether they're doing hardware or some kind of product, will actually incorporate some element of financial services. You can almost think of it as the ability to achieve vertical integration, but also by adding in financial services as well. And probably the company that I think of that really is at the forefront is Apple. You know, when you think about Apple, people think iPhone, they think hardware, but at the end of the day, Apple is really, in my opinion, more of a services company and now even layering in the financial services piece. So I think we'll see more and more that financial services becomes intertwined with all these other types of companies offering goods and services. Okay. Nahal, your thoughts on this? I'm very bullish on Stripe. I think, uh, you know, $100 billion or 95 is, is, uh, is is low this thing is going to be worth half a trillion dollars at some point um api first is what's core to stripes flywheel that's just uh snowballing uh it's very easy to implement um there's zero cost of implementation 
um, the margins uh, versus other SaaS companies are incredibly high because it's an API service. And the developer community is probably the most, um, probably the most excited developers we've seen in a long time that have ever been building on any platform. So it's got all of these things. I'm, I'm extremely long stripe. Very exciting here. Uh, Cheryl, do you agree? Yeah, actually, I think I'm actually very bullish on this. I think that finance, uh, fintech in general, is just really hard, um, especially when it's regulated. And people don't realize for a product like this to be so simple and so regulated at the same time uh, really means that they have an edge over any other competitor that is going into the market, right? I think also they do have an angle. I'm not sure if you saw that a couple of the folks uh, that were in this funding round were insurance players and so i think that there's a really key angle here not just on fintech and making it more accessible across you know europe and other places they're trying to go to but at the same time in insurance which is an unsexy topic but it's something that i think there's a lot of money in stripe coming out of ireland the collison brothers also the second most valuable private company behind ByteDance, and spacex is third at 74 billion so a lot of room for growth here DigitalOcean, cloud computing firm, ACV Auctions, a mobile platform for car auctions, and Owlette Smart Sock Monitor all have plans to hit the public market. Which one are you most excited about and why? Lo? Yes, I am a bull on ACV. It's an auction platform that provides the ability for wholesale auctions of auto dealers. I've actually been a very big fan of that since the eBay days. I mean, if we think about the biggest markets, wholesale auctions for automotive, that is a 15% or so piece of the $1.7 trillion automotive industry. They provide a great solution to do all the end-to-end -end services for dealers, whether it's inspections, the actual auction itself, which they do live, and the delivery. Buffalo-based company like that, and they're uh, starting potentially at $18 to $20 per share. Over to Nahal, which IPO SPAC direct listing you like right now? Uh, by the way, ACV is strong. My, our, one of our good friends, Somac uh, from Armory Square was an early investor in that. So, so happy that that's a New York company. Um, we actually, hashtag humble brag, have uh, four or five of these things coming out. The one that's, one of them that's public, um, we're very bullish on, obviously. It's a sock that you put on a baby's foot. Uh, actually, both my kids used it. Um, and they have a cloud service around it. The company is called Owlet, and the ticker is O-W-L-T. Uh, they announced publicly that they're going out a little bit over a month ago, uh, and they should be going out in the next few weeks. But not only uh, does it save lives from SIDS alerts and detection, um, but it's a complete operating system. You got John. Fr you have John Frankel also a bull on that too. So definitely a great product. Cheryl, uh, which IPO spec are you interested that's coming up? I, I agree with Lowe actually. ACV I think is very strong. It's uh, similar to what I was saying at the end of my last answer, right? It is all about really taking these unsexy markets and like, you know, productizing it and, you know, kind of doing the hard work at the very beginning of things in order for it to be, um, you know, so easy and, you know, well established to, you know, buy wholesale. Um, and so if anything, that one is, is really strong and same thing for, for Nihal. I think I was going to mention that as well because I do invest uh, into, you know, fam tech and fem tech. So super important to me. Brittany, you got something new for us? Yeah, I'm going to take it a different direction. So I really, really like DigitalOcean. 
So this is personal because I worked at Techstars, uh, the startup accelerator that these guys went through back in 2012. Um, so seeing them come to the IPO journey is, is pretty, pretty cool. I know we hear a lot about other accelerator programs like YC, but um, yeah, like to see the Techstars win. Um, and back to the, the product specifically, as we talked about Stripe, I think DigitalOcean is doing a very similar thing in making cloud super simple uh, for developers and really winning over that dev community. Um, secondly, I think in terms of the market, they are just at the beginning of kind of the small business adoption, especially in the US. They've gone very heavy international. So if you think about growth, uh, they have a lot of potential to grow with small businesses in the US and there's so much growth there. So definitely bullish on that. Yeah, the competitor to AWS and shout out to the amazing founder, leader, CEO, Yancey Sproul, uh, who's doing big things. Uh, did we miss anything here? Any any uh, quick uh, IPOs or SPACs that are coming out? I, I, Nahal, you had, you had a few. You said you want to just give us one more, tease us with one more. Well, those are, I mean, all, by the way, all the companies we mentioned are all New York companies, which is which is baller, which is absolutely incredible. Um, the other ones I, I, I can't talk about yet, but, but you'll be hearing from me soon. Oh, okay. Nice tease. I like that. Hot Sectors, brought to you by First Republic Bank. NFTs are the hot new toy in the investing world. How big can this space become and what opportunities are you seeing outside of MBA Top Shot? Nahal, what do you think? Yeah, we are all over NFTs. Um, I actually did an investment uh, that's not public yet, but you know, I think, listen, there's the tip of the spear which is like the $69 million art piece by Beeple, which is Jack's first tweet, which is Gronk selling 2 million of his, um, you know, NFTs. Um, I think there's definitely a hype bubble that's going to collapse, um, but NFTs are here to, here to stay. Specifically, the unique digital right that it gives uh, an owner on a one-to-one -one basis is something that we haven't seen before. And it's going to transform, you know, artists, monetization and, and revenue model. So we're just starting to see a little bit of it now, but that certificate of authenticity and that unique right that exists on a one-to-one -one basis is something that's gonna that's gonna stay forever. And Gronk selling five NFTs for $1.8 million in 48 hours to be noted as well. Cheryl, how big can this space become and uh, what opportunities are you seeing? Yeah, so um, I definitely was one, I'm kind of skeptical on generally when it comes to these types of things where uh, it's brand new and, you know, although I will say too, it's been lurking in the, in the background and now has finally come to the forefront. And I think it's these types of alternative uh, investing, right? It's being able to put your money in different assets that I think is very appealing to the masses, right? And we see that with Republic, we see that with a couple other uh, alternative fundings. And so to that end, I think it could be huge. I will say that, that to Nahal's point, it will definitely be a bubble, but I'm really interested actually in the marriage between digital and physical. So like not only taking these NFTs that are, um, you know, out there, but also marrying them with physical products that could be used to show off and especially in a time where we're right now at scarcity, once we're back in the roaring 20s, there's going to be definitely a kind of an era of abundance. Okay, Brittany, your thoughts on the NFTs? How big is this market big? Yeah, so it can get very big. Um, I think right now they're saying it's about 250 million and as of 2020, um, which is already up 3x from 2019. And then looking like at some of the big art houses, most recently that painting that sold for, or that digital art that sold for 70 million, 
Uh, that's just one example of some of the size of some of these, the value of these assets. And I also think just to plug one of our portfolio companies, uh, we invested in a company called Infinite Objects, and they actually print some of this digital media in real life. So you can have a frame of your kind of art or moment in your office or in your room so that you can flex not only just like on your computer or your phone, but in, in real life. So I think that's pretty cool too, these adjacent um, industries. Solid flex people, I think is what you're talking about, sold for $69 million at the Christie Auction House. Uh, over to the man who has multiple NFTs low, how big is this market? Uh, you like it? What, what do you think? I love this market. It's amazing. Here's what I like about it. Again, I'm going to use the marketplace analogy. So I think we've talked about the sports piece, but look, there are other areas. Art, it was Beeple. Beeple. And it was 70 million, right? So Beeple is basically Bansky meets Bitcoin. So we've got the ability to leverage a few trends here. I think this is really gonna be driven by millennials as well as the Gen Z folks. They understand this digital space better. I also like sneakers because there's way more demand than people are able to get their hands on these physical rare Nikes. So the ability for people to have some partial ownership I think is also really interesting and can scale the market. And don't forget another artist place that this model applies to, music. It's gonna be big for music. Uh, you all agree here? Have we missed anything? I mean, we did miss Elon Musk creating an NFT about NFTs with an NFT song. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of celebrities and models are really upset that brands are stealing their likeness as well. So, you know, I think that's a big deal there as well, right? Here's an image that, you know, only one person is allowed to really own and license. Otherwise, there's infinite copyright issues on 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 images and photos so i think that's another really important use case we're excited to announce our partnership with m1 finance and creating the prime time portfolio we're taking the insights from our vcs to buy stocks using the m1 finance super app we're inviting you to download the app the link below to invest alongside us all gains from these investments will be donated to the nonprofit girls who code download the app and let's make some money for a good cause. Crowdfunding. The maximum amount raised through a crowdfunding campaign was changed from $1 million within a year, now bumped up to $5 million. But why do some fund managers still think crowdfunding won't become a viable fundraising path? Cheryl, I mean, you're in this space. Talk, tell us what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I think so. I'm part of Republic and we, we've seen this from the beginning where a lot of companies are using Republic and other crowdfunding methods in order to top off their rounds, get marketing um, for their products. And so there's really a couple of trends here now with the 5 million that, you know, I feel like a lot of different companies from series A and B will go into, right? Which is leveraging your customers from day one, right? Making sure that you reward your early stakeholders. Two, it's a great form of marketing that will last you dividends, right? You you will have brand evangelists that will tell their friends and family and all of that. And that really goes to, to the third thing, which is community, right? Community is now, as technologies converge, communities are really going to be the defensible moat. And so that's the thing where I think not only, you know, will uh, crowdfunding is here to stay, but it'll also be complimentary to other VCs. Cheryl's on fire right now. Brittany, you're familiar with crowdfunding. Uh, what do you think, Eric? Yeah, I mean, we've experienced it personally at Backstage Capital. We were able to open up um, essentially a part of our round to public investors so that they can participate in our upside. And that's that's a very unique thing that we've been able to do with Republic. Uh, but specifically for other companies, 
the ability to increase uh, from the SEC from 1.07 to 5 million is huge. And that now most companies really raise a seed round in that in that dollar range. They could essentially forego the venture path until Series A. And that buys a lot of time for a lot of companies that can raise from their community, as, as um, Cheryl was mentioning, and they don't have to go the VC route. I looked at uh, Sahil and, and Gum Road yesterday or a couple days ago, and they had raised the 5 million within one day, which would have taken so much more time with venture. Most, most, for most founders, it would have taken more time, uh, the venture path. So I think it allows a lot of founders to quickly get capital at that seed stage um, it might bypass venture altogether at that stage. There's still the pushback so low. I'm going to bring it back to you. Why do some of the fund man managers still think crowdfunding won't be a viable uh, fundraising path? Uh, because we just spend too much time just trying to think about drinking our own Kool-Aid. Let me say this. I believe that there is an important element here that we haven't really touched upon, which is allowing more access, both for entrepreneurs, I think, entrepreneurs that are diverse historically have had a tough time with the friends and family piece because friends and family don't necessarily meet the accredited investor definition. This will unlock their ability to be able to raise capital sooner and compete better. I think another element is the democratization of those people that can actually do the investing. Why is it that I can go lose all of my money in GameStop, but yet I'm not able to go invest in my friend's company? I believe this is going to democratize investing and it's a good thing. Right. And the definition of a credit investor, a person making $300,000 per year or a net worth of a million dollars. Going over to Nahal, uh, your, your thoughts on the, the crowdfunding? Yeah, I, I pissed off Cheryl earlier in the week because uh, okay. I was uh, I was being up uh, WeFunder and I forgot to uh, mention Republic. But anyway, I deleted that tweet, Cheryl, and uh, <laughs> and, and I added Republic after you uh after you posted really I funny. I put a JLo gif, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> JLo gifs get you to, you know, get you to delete tweets. But um, listen, I, I agree with the concept of access. Uh, it's totally ironic that uh, folks can't, you know, can invest, in, like Lowe said, and lose all their money in GameStop. They can't invest in private startups. So I think this is going to, you know, obviously 5X is um, from one to five a year. Um, but it just means it creates a lot more, um, you know, ammunition for companies to, to leverage this as their only source of funding, right? So it creates more competition for traditional VCs like ourselves, uh, creates a lot more access for investors and also investors of color who would historically never have uh, these opportunities um, are now going to be able to invest in some of the best companies. So it's a, it's a, it's a win all around. And by the way, props to Cheryl for you know for for making Republic what it is and and continuing Absolutely. to grow this, this and, entire. And who part. knows? Maybe we'll, we'll start raising some capital as primetime VC on Republic. You never know. Maybe a little tease. Buy or sell? Powered by Stockflix. Famed NYU professor and best-selling author Scott Galloway takes aim at MBAs with his newest company, Section 4, that recently secured $30 million in Series A funding to create a new kind of education platform. Buy or sell Section 4's ability to disrupt traditional education. Brittany, buy or sell. Okay, so I'm a buy in general because I do believe that there just needs to be more options when it comes to accessing uh, higher education. But I'm totally, I do not think this will ever really disrupt traditional education. I think they're just separate. 
I do believe that uh, Section 4 creates a space for people who might have not gone down the traditional path, which is just different than going to an institution, maybe taking time off your career. And what's really interesting at Section 4 is that they're actually tapping companies who are interested in upskilling their workforce. And that's a huge gap where people don't have the luxury always to take off for uh, traditional education. I think that's their lane. Don't really worry about disrupting traditional education. Upskilling is huge. Uh, Nahal, buy or sell, uh, disrupting traditional education. I'm going to sell. I mean, learning has got to be live. I got two young kids and I'm just seeing the difference between Zoom school and live school. It's 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 a hundred X uh, difference. You know, I think, listen, we've had things like Khan Academy for a while and I think they're good supplements, but they're not good replacements. Cheryl, your thoughts on yeah, this? Yeah, I really do believe that if something's going to be taken seriously when it comes to education, it has to either have a brand to it or it needs to have something so proprietary that um, like the sprint format that they're saying that they will do um, that will allow for folks to really engage and focus and really get the most out of it. So if that doesn't happen, right, if they don't even nail the branding or if they don't nail that proprietary sprint format, then it's game over for them. So uh, I'm actually pretty... Uh, bearish on this one, I, I would probably sell because it's so incredibly hard and execution is everything, uh, quite frankly, when it comes to a startup. We had two siding with Jason Calacanis, uh, who is uh, Callaway's arch enemy. Lo, what side are you taking? B-E-A-R, bear, just to be clear. But let, let's um, talk about something that I think is an overarching issue. You know, college is not for everyone, both in terms of their learning style, the ability to allocate that amount of time, their financial situation. And so I am all for and a huge proponent of identifying other ways to be able to provide people with the skills to move forward and participate economically as everyone should be able to. I'm just not sure about this approach in particular. Again, I think the thesis is spot on about a different method. Just not sure this is the right approach. Okay, I'm gonna bring it back to Brittany, who's the odd one out here. I mean, do you have any rebuttals to uh, the three who are against you? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, Lo, you sound like you're kind of in my camp where this does need to exist because there is a gap for people accessing traditional education. So just to be clear, these guys will not. There's a value in actual um, in-person, traditional higher education especially. But I do think people need access to uh, upskilling. And I think that's, especially in the business um, MBA context, it's very hard to do that um, outside of some of these traditional programs. So yeah, I think you guys are kind of sort of in my camp, but I, I think I should, yeah, I would hope that you would see my side a little more. I, I see your side. Uh, you're, you're making great points, uh, but when it comes to the cuts right now, you just didn't make it. So Brittany, I'm sorry. You didn't make the final. Stick around. We'll have a, uh, an extra on the back end, extra question for you. Um, and then it's going to come down to the one person who's going to make the finals is one of the first people we had on the show. Who is it? It's, it's, Lowe's made the finals. Nahal didn't make the finals. Sorry, Nahal. So that makes Cheryl in the finals as well. Lowe and Cheryl, congratulations. Am I the winningest loser in primetime VC <laughs> history? Uh, you're our favorite loser, yes. Right? Four times? Four, oh and four? Yeah. Let's give him some confetti just so you feel good that you lost again. Come on. <laughs> Welcome to the finals, the money round. Brought to you by First Republic Bank. 
Flutter, the UK-based mobile gaming company that owns 95% of FanDuel, is considering spitting out FanDuel as a separately traded company on the US stock exchange. What's the main reasons for a company spitting out a part of their business to run independently? Lo, can you give us, can you drop some knowledge on us? Sure, I'll go back. I've been using eBay analogies all day, so we'll go back to another one. When eBay acquired PayPal, the thought was the marketplace business was gonna grow more rapidly than the payments business. Clearly that was not correct. PayPal spun back out and it is now a very valuable company. So it's all about where the value can be recognized. Sometimes investors want a pure play, sometimes they want a standalone. Clearly the value was in unlocking PayPal as a standalone. Who was it that said Jim Clark? You can only make money in two ways, bundling or unbundling. Had to unbundle in that sense. All right, low coming out to play right now. Cheryl, your thoughts on this, spitting out a business as part of a company? Absolutely. I think the main, I would say the main driver would be the vision and the resources that companies really have to allocate in order for those segments to thrive. So another one of those Altrion Craft, which really was able to focus more on the foods and the staples that was actually going to change our culture, right? And so I think if anything, uh, it's really these types of spinoffs that will allow them to focus on what they're best at and not get, you know, burdened by some of the other kind of legacy things that might be in the main holding company. So I would say for that, uh, I actually think it's a great idea. Square recently acquired Tidal for $297 million. Square is a big fish in the payments business, and Tidal is a struggling company in the music space. What is your prediction on how Square will use Tidal and how will it turn out? Cheryl, I'm gonna come back to you. Yeah, no, so I think that, right, when people first saw the acquisition, people were a little confused, but I think it's this, uh, trend of giving artists ownership for what they create. I think there's been a lot of scandal around Spotify and kind of their model and taking advantage of artists that, you know, may not be getting what they deserve. And so I think Tidal really does have an opportunity now uh, to establish itself as the artist-friendly platform. Um, I think that's really their only saving grace because it hasn't really been that they've been super competitive with the top uh, streaming platforms. And so I think Square took that into consideration when they were um, acquiring the Tidal. Low, your thoughts on this prediction squares uh, acquisition of title? Jack wanted to get cozy with Jay-Z. Now he's got Jay-Z on his board. Short and sweet. I couldn't agree with you more. And then also, you know, what last month, Jack and Jay-Z, the BF, the new BFFs uh, gave a lot of Bitcoin trust to support development of India and Africa. So this is just another step in that uh, best friend relationship. Uh, you agree? That's good, right? Agree. And... It is true. Look, we're in the age of the influencer and a bottoms up approach to surfacing music. And it is true. Artists want to be recognized and be able to take the lion's share. I mean, obviously, with this payments platform that that Stripe has, uh, you know, that can be a little easier. But again, I just think Jack wants to hang out with Jay-Z and Beyonce. Maybe they do some NFT work together, too, you know. Final question, the one that got away. What's the one investment miss that keeps you up at night? Lo, tell us your heart, heartbreak here. Yeah, you know, boy, it's not actually one that I think I had the ability, I mean, who knows, but there is an entrepreneur that, that I do admire. Uh, she's the founder of a company called Spring Health that's in one of our GP's uh, workbench they invested initially. 
She focuses on mental health. Obviously, that's an important topic, especially right now. It's been highlighted over the past 12 months. Who knows what I have had a chance to get in, but I have to say the work that she's been able to do, the company that she's building, the culture that she's building with her leadership, uh, that's without question a company that I admire a lot. Shout out to April Co. Absolutely, great founder. Cheryl, uh, what's the one that got away? One that got away that I thought would, I'm not sure if I would have necessarily recognized, but actually one of my investment partners, Sonia Nagar from the Community Fund actually did was Cameo. Um, it's something that uh, people didn't realize just how big the market would be or that, you know, people would actually go and use it for different purposes rather than just, you know, uh, for birthdays and stuff like that. And so we actually are looking at a company right now um, that is focused on that in LATAM and trying to see if that's something that we could potentially replicate since LATAM is a place where, you know, it's it's definitely uh, coming up and one that, that we're really uh you know laser point focused on all right all right that was a, a unbelievable finals we're gonna have to give it over to low who came on our first show and got his first w he's back he's back with a vengeance congratulations low great competitors the final word well, look, I'd like to go back to a couple of things we talked about. We, we talked about this increase on the crowdfunding side. I'm a big believer in this ability to be able to increase the diversity further for both companies as well as investors. I think it's really important. It's something that's not recognized and widely spoken about. So, you know, I'm all about trying to make sure we can narrow gaps, whether that be through identifying the right types of companies that are doing everything in their power to narrow gaps, or whether it's the identification of some of these, you know, laws that, you know, when they were put in place, I mean, I like to think they weren't put in place to inhibit the distribution of wealth, but they have that effect. So the more that we can do to identify these elements that kind of keep us from having a more democratized approach to both allowing entrepreneurs to succeed as well as allowing more access to be able to make investments into these companies that are really driving the growth for the past 20 years. It's a good thing. Thanks for watching Primetime VC. We'll be back next week. But until then, like that, comment, subscribe, share it with your friends. We need to grow this organically. You're a part of us. You're Primetime, we're Primetime. Let's do this. All right, see you next week.